Mac Power Users, Episode 278, iOS 9 and New Apple Hardware. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie Floyd. How are you today? Uh, you know, it's the biggest Apple news day of the year as we sit down to record the show. So, uh, I, gosh, I didn't get much sleep last night, and it's been a long day today. But I'm excited to be sitting here recording with you. Yeah, you know, it was really fun for me because um, in the past, I've always you know, been working for the man. Uh, and the uh, now that I'm working, uh, I have a little more control. I control the things. I was able to stay home this morning and watch the uh, Apple announcements on my Apple TV. Ironically, my old Apple TV uh, with my <laughs> wife. You and, know, uh, it's kind of a fun way to watch. I, I had the exact same experience. I, although I am still working with a group of people, I can kind of set my own schedule. And I just took my little calendar and blocked off from one to three my time that I was going to be out of the office and just plop down and front of my Apple TV and, and watch the keynote as well and thought, wow, this is, this is kind of nice. So we've got, um, the, for this show, we want to talk in depth about iOS 9. I've been using it for some time on both iPad and iPhone, and I know you have as well. Yep. And uh, so for those of you out there that are going to be this week, after, a few days after the show drops, uh, it's going to go live. So we want to kind of tell you how we're using it, hopefully give you some ideas as you get the installation done. That's going to be a big chunk of the show. We also want to talk about the new hardware and how we see it fitting in. And um, and just, you know, in terms of the overall Mac Power Users theme, what, what the stuff may be good for. So with n uh, no further ado, why don't we start talking about iOS 9? Yeah, you know, iOS 9, the first, the first device that I installed iOS 9, and I did it pretty quickly into the public beta, is I went ahead and I installed iOS 9 on my iPad because I, I felt a little safer installing iOS 9 on my iPad than I did on my iPhone, I, just for a number of reasons. And I was excited to install iOS 9 on my iPad because I felt like it had a lot more features that were specifically designed for the iPad. I, I no longer felt like the iPad was a second-class citizen. In fact, just the opposite. The, the iPad got iOS 9-specific features that the iPhone didn't get. So it was kind of fun to have my first iOS 9 experience on the iPad. Well, it's interesting because the iPad is, what I believe, about five years old now. And it's it's largely been static in terms of its relation to the phone. It's always been... A, at first, it was a variant of iOS, and now it's just basically the same operating system as the phone. And there really hasn't been much distinction, even though the screen size is so different. And if you've been following the news, the iPad is like the one device Apple has that's not um, that's not increasing sales every year. I'm going to say I'm not going to say it's not doing gangbusters because they're selling in the millions every quarter of these things, but it's not blowing up the way some of the other devices are. So they get a lot of questions about that, and. Um, I've always felt like one of the reasons is because they're the, the devices are so good. I have so many friends that are still using an iPad one. Um, you just don't upgrade them as often. Right. But also, I just don't think it's as big of a deal as the phone. I mean, there's a lot of people who need a phone who don't need an iPad. But um, well, and I've it, got an iPad Mini two, which is the iPad Mini with Retina display, and I'm very happy with it. It's it's now two years old. It's now three generations behind because as we record this, they just released the iPad Mini Four. Wait, is that correct? Because didn't they didn't they skip a didn't they skip a year though? Yeah, I guess last year they came out with the iPad Air two, but the iPad Mini Retina's stayed. Right. Okay. So this should be my year to upgrade the iPad. Oh wait, wait. I'm sorry. 
I take that back. Last yeah. year they did add a new iPad Mini, except it just got it didn't a, do um, much. It just got the uh, Touch ID. It didn't get a processor upgrade or anything. Right. So I, I'm kind of content just to set with it. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the hardware that they announced later in the show. But I, iOS 9 has really done a, a lot for my little iPad Mini 2. And I'm not inclined to upgrade, really. So I'll sit there for another year, maybe two. We'll see. Yeah, and, and so getting to my point, though, you know, so because sales have been relatively flat with the device, I think that they're now saying, OK, let's let's stretch out a little bit and see what we can do with the iPad. And um, they've got new features going to iOS that are not on the iPhone. Uh, the The big one is the multitasking. And by that, I mean, you can see two apps on the screen at once. That's not something you can do on the phone. And there's a couple ways you can do that. The, the easiest is what Apple calls the slide over. And so as soon as you install iOS 9 on your iPad, just go to the right side of the screen and just drag your finger from off screen, you know, stage right, or no, it's audience right. Just drag it from the right side towards the center and you'll see it slides over. And about one third of the screen can be used to display a smaller version of the apps. It could be your Twitter app or your messages or whatever, but it, it allows you to see two apps on the screen at once. Yeah. Now it only does this when you're in an app. It, it won't do it from the springboard. Yeah. I mean, you got to have an app open. And the um, this is uh, this is the one I've been using the most in the beta. It's it's quite convenient. Like I was doing some web browsing and reading the other day, and I was waiting for my daughter to come home from work, and I just opened up Find Friends in the little right tab, and I was able to see what she was doing and you know how far away she was. Uh, while I was reading, it, it's going to be, I think it's going to be really useful. Now I've been doing this on an a iPad air one, you know, that the two-year-old iPad air, um, the first iPad air, does that make sense? The yes. iPad air. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, they have a second one now, but the, I have the first one and it, it works fine on that. The, um, it, it it's, uh, it's going to work on, I don't know how far back they go. I don't think you're going to get like on an iPad one. It has to be no, an it's iOS gonna, 9 it's, device. It's going to be an iPad Air, iPad Air 2, which will actually do split screen yeah, instead, we'll of just, instead of just yeah. the three-quarter screen. And my iPad Mini 2 will also yeah. do it. So I've been and, doing it on an iPad Mini 2. Yeah, and, and there's a couple things there. Um, you'll see there's a little um, uh, vertical line across the top. And if you drag that down on that right side... It's kind of like a, an app switcher, but it goes up and down. So you can pull different apps into that little right side of the screen, which is kind of cool. Um, now, Katie made mention earlier of split view. And split view is where you drag it out into the center and you have two apps running independently at the same time. Whereas slide over is just a view. Split view is truly multitasking. Right. And you're going to need um, you're going to need an iPad Air 2 for that one of the new iPad pros or the one of the brand new iPad mini fours, because that's going to put, and I I'm guessing the big reason for that is Ram, because I know those devices have two gigabytes of Ram at least. Right. And the older devices have smaller Ram and I, I'm not sure they can contemporaneously run two apps on each half of the screen. Right. And you're also going to have to have apps that are optimized for these. I know during the beta, when I was using SlideOver, it really only worked, I believe, with the Apple apps. So I could have Safari. In, in fact, this was one of my prime use cases. I would have Safari open, for example, like browsing the circular for my local grocery store. And then I would have the Reminders app open in the SlideOver view, making a list of things that I was going to pick up. So it doesn't necessarily work with third-party apps unless support for that is built in, which they, you know, during the beta period, at least that wasn't an option. But we should start seeing those apps being released soon. 
One thing it just begs for when you when you start using this, a friend of mine has got an iPad Air 2 and was running the beta, so I spent some time with it. And the um it just it just begs for drag and drop. It's like I want to select text on one app and just drag it over to the other one. Can't do that yet. You yeah, and you know we we didn't it. see that today either. Yeah. In in the announcement, September 9th. Yeah. I was watching really careful carefully for the iPad Pro as they did multitasking and they didn't do it in that either. So it, it looks to me like that's just not there yet. Um, either way, uh, so you've got the split view, you've got the slide overview. They've also got this thing called picture in picture, which is exactly what you think it is. If you're watching a video and it'll shrink the video down and show it on the screen while you're in another application. So if it's not something you're totally into, but want to follow, you know, like a, a baseball game would be a good example. You can have that on your screen while you're working in a different application. I've seen this and worked with it and that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and again, the developers are going to have to build in support for it. I found that certain apps worked better than others with this initially during the beta period, and I think obviously that's something that they're going to tweak over time. Uh, I found that the Facebook app didn't it did it well as long as you were still in Facebook, but when you closed Facebook, then the picture-in-picture picture closed as well. But if you were using it with something like Safari or if you were using it, I think the YouTube app also uh, did it well, so you could actually close out the app and go do something else and it would still play. So, yeah, again, and, I think it's just support. And that's all in beta. I mean, the thing is, as we record this, it's not out. I don't think there's a gold master yet. So I expect that, you know, most of the major developers are going to have, have that fixed by the time it gets out or shortly thereafter. Uh, and another thing they did, and this is something that I really have used a lot and enjoyed with the iPad, is what they call QuickType. And you can take two fingers on the iPad screen now and just move it around the screen when you've got the cursor a blinking cursor on a screen and it just moves the cursor around a screen you can even move your two fingers around the keyboard it's not going to do key presses it's going to move the cursor um this is something that i've always wanted a way to easily press it i mean that whole mechanism before where you have to tap and hold with your finger to wait for the cursor to place um whenever you have to stop and wait for something to happen while you're pressing that time seems it seems like time slows down and it it always feels like it takes too long now I can just take two fingers and swipe them around the screen, put them where I want. I can even select text that way. Uh, I really like that feature. For a while, it worked in the beta on the iPhone, and you could do it on the iPhone, and it worked pretty good there too. But they, during the betas, they removed it from the iPhone. And uh, I think this is a way they're just trying to distinguish the iPad from the iPhone. Yeah. Now, I don't think this had as much practical use in the iPhone. I don't know if they'll bring it back, but it was nice to have in the iPad so that you could tap around, particularly if you were in a document that you were, were cursing around. I don't. Yeah, my, yeah. My, much of the work I do on the iPad is text writing. Yeah, I write a lot of text on it. I don't format it so much, but you know, if I'm out and about, uh, the iPad's a great kind of like portable tool. And so, I mean, I'm using this all the time. I, I'm already hooked on it. I used my wife's iPad the other day. I was in um, Byword and needed to move the cursor, and I put two fingers and started wiggling around the screen. It was making me nuts that nothing was happening. So the other big thing in iOS 9 is Siri, and we have seen Siri constantly get better with every iteration of iOS 9, but Apple really seems to have doubled down with, with Siri in, in iOS 9. In fact, they're calling a lot of things in iOS 9 Siri that maybe just before was kind of under the broader umbrella of search. Yeah, it's almost confusing, but, you know, Apple, Siri is Apple's search engine, you know, um, it's not a traditional search engine like Google, but instead it's, I think it's a 
app specific or or a platform specific search. And series the front end for a lot of it, but as we'll talk about later, a lot of it also isn't just front end. It goes any way you want. In fact, my Siri just went off because I've been using the word too much. Yeah, be careful um, what you say on the podcast. Yeah, I know. Boy, I don't. I, boy, do I know. Anyway, but uh, they, so they've been constantly improving it. One way they've been improving it is text recognition. And this, I'm a broken record on this, and I say it probably every about three or four months. But if you haven't tried Siri lately for dictation. Hit the little microphone button next time you have your iPad or your iPhone out and start talking. And with iOS 9, it gets even better. Um, yeah. I've, I've it, had some issues with Siri on the Apple Watch when it's interfacing with my iPhone where it recognizes the text and understands what I said, and then it does something completely different. So I'm hoping the combination of, of Watch OS 2 uh, will solve that. We'll see. The, yeah. And they, they've also got a lot going down with like just new features in Siri thing, new things it can do that it couldn't do before. Like you can say what's 20% tip on $23 and 32 cents. And it'll show you not only the tip, it'll show you the entire amount that you owe. It does the addition for you. Um, show me pictures from last June, flip a coin. I mean, it, it, I think they've just got a room full of people that are constantly working on the back end of Siri. And this isn't something that you have to wait for a big watch update or a big phone update to release because it's all server based. They're just adding this stuff in as they go. In fact, they had a joke uh, going around with Siri as early up to the event where you'd ask it to tell you a hint about the event and it would say cute things to you. So, you know, it's it, Siri is just getting better and better. And, and that's a selling point of iOS nine. Yeah. We still have not seen third party app support for Siri Unless we're starting to see it now for the first time in the new Apple TV. I know we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but hopefully that's the next big thing for Siri, though we did not get it in iOS 9. Yeah, but but iOS 9 is noticeably uh, better text recognition than iOS 8 was. It's not, um, I think it was pretty good with iOS 8. I mean, it, it's just continuing to get better. They're collecting more data. I mean, so much of this is just finding out how things are working. And now that they, they have millions of phones out there with people pressing the microphone button, the algorithm is just going to get better. Yeah. One of the things that's falling under the category of Siri, although it's not necessarily something that you activate by voice, is it's the idea of your iPhone is becoming this proactive assistant. And you know, here's just a, a simple example of that. You know, it, the iPhone knows where you are. It knows what's on your calendar. It knows your habits. It knows where you typically drive on Tuesday mornings. And so it it, pro it predicts where you're likely going. And so I noticed when I installed iOS 9 on my phone, uh, it, when I got in the car, it says, oh, the the traffic to the gym is approximately 13 minutes. And as soon as I got in the car, which I think it recognized because it connected it with my uh, Bluetooth stereo in my car, it knew that, okay, on Sunday mornings, I typically go to spin class. It knows that that's a habit that I have. And it's telling me that I'll be there in 13 minutes or less. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, they, they call it proactive assistant. And um, this is Apple dipping their toes in Google's, you know, forte. I mean, Google's always been about using the servers to make things more convenient and easy for you at the expense of you letting their servers know everything that's going on. The Apple angle to all this is to say, we're going to do that, but we're going to keep it all on device. So Apple's not figuring out on their servers that Katie goes to spin class. It's actually... Um, iOS 9 installed on her local iPhone that looks at the local calendar and sees that she's going to spin class. So as I understand it, the 
you know, the Apple system is not tracking your spin class. It's just that your phone locally is figuring it out. Yeah, I, uh, I have found it to be a little hit and miss. You know, for example, I have a habit of going to spin class every Sunday. I don't have the address of the gym in my calendar, but it just seems to know from my habits that's where I go. But today I had a lunch meeting across town and I did, I, I wasn't real sure where the place was, so I did have that address that I put in my calendar. And when I left my office 20 minutes before the meeting, it didn't pop up anything. It didn't offer directions. It didn't do anything. So I, I still think it could get a little smarter. Yeah, it's it's not as it's not as seamless as Google. I don't know if it will ever be because, you know, they're doing everything server-based and Apple's doing everything locally. I mean, another complication is, your iPad and your iPhone are two different devices. Are they both going to figure have to figure out things on their own? Or are they going to be able to share that information? Um, so far, using it on both devices, it looks to me like there is a there's a wall between them, and they aren't sharing the information across your iCloud account. Um, but we'll see where it goes. But but what can you do with Proactive Assistant? They have suggested music, so it will suggest music for you if you start. Um, setting a meeting, like preparing an event. And let's say you do an event every Tuesday at 10 a.m. with a couple employees or coworkers. Um, it's going to it's going to notice that you always have a meeting on Tuesday at 10 a.m. And when you create it, it's going to say, well, do you want to have John and Mary? Because they seem to always be in your t Tuesday 10 a.m. meeting. So it'll do things like that for you. It does the same thing with emails. If you prepare certain emails, it'll start asking to you know, automatically fill in recipients for you. Um, it remembers reser uh, restaurant reservations and flights. If it sees a flight in there, it tries to do things for you that way. Um, if you leave times, um, if you, it, it, Katie was talking about, you know, what time you leave and tracking your travel time, uh, that it's really key if you do that to put the, the location in when you create the calendar events. Otherwise, it gets confused. And I know it's in the beta. You know, once again, this is just the beta. But sometimes, if I didn't have an address in it, would think, well, you need to go home now because your next appointment, you know, wherever it is, uh, doesn't have a doesn't have a location. So I think you're going home, and you know, you're late. Um, one one feature with the proactive assistant that I've really enjoyed throughout the beta is the who's calling feature. You know, you, sometimes you get a phone call and you'll see a number on the screen. You don't know what it means. Um, in my day job, that happens because I'm dealing with other lawyers quite often on a temporary basis. They may not be a contact in my system yet, but it scrubs my email. So when a, a call comes in and a, the whatever phone number is, it looks at my emails to see, well, is that phone number attached to any of his emails? And if it sees that there's an email from Mary Jones and she has the same number, it'll tell you, you know, that it thinks that Mary Jones is calling. And I don't know, have you experienced that yet? I've got a lot of people in my contacts, so I haven't. I tend to I tend to be very proactive about putting people in my contacts, but I love the I love the idea behind the feature. Yeah, it's really useful. Um, so it's it's getting there. It's not like I said. It's not going to the same depth that Google goes with this stuff. Uh, I'm not sure. I you know I played with some of the Google services last year because I was curious how the other side lives and and wanted to see how helpful that stuff is. I don't take that many flights, but Apple is trying to address flights. Um, the big use for me is when I need to leave, which is addressed with this one. Um, obviously, we want to see these things get smarter and more useful to us, but I'm, I'm actually okay with the progress they've made so far. And I'm really curious to see how it works once iOS 9 you know, hits the wire and everybody's using it. And once again, they have 
more data to work with and hopefully, um, you know, better refinement when, when you have millions of people using something, you find out where it's broken. Well, we have a lot more to talk about, but before we do, why don't you take a quick break and tell us about our first sponsor? I'd be happy to Katie Floyd. And our first sponsor today is our friends over agile bits and the, the fantastic software they make called one password. And, Boy, am I an advocate of 1Password. I'd almost say that, yes, I'm a zealot for 1Password because I just love the software so much. I recommend it to everybody. If you meet me on the street and you're a geek, or even if you're not a geek, there's a good chance I'll start talking to you about 1Password at some point. And the reason is because in today's day and age, we really, really need secure and safe passwords. And it's such a pain to do that. Uh, it, it, what we always talk about is the balance versus security and convenience. But but when password bridges that, it gives you security and it's convenient. The way the application works is you have one password, and this will be one super password that you keep in your head, and it unlocks the application. And from there, the application can generate separate and distinct passwords for every website you go to, and it'll remember them for you. So you can automatically log in. And over the years, the people at Agile Bits have very um, smartly brought this to all the different platforms in very smart ways. Like on iOS, uh, we've been talking about iOS a lot lately today. Um, it will go and it will connect with applications or even in your browser. And you can go and fill in these fancy passwords you make. You may not even know the password, but one password will, and it allows you to have a secure um, solution. Now, the reason you want to do that is because if you don't, you're going to have the problem where using repeated passwords, one of them gets compromised somewhere. And then once the bad guys have your password that you use repeatedly, they're going to go test it in other places and get, you know, they're going to get all the goods. So you don't want that to happen. One password solves that problem for you. One uh, password does a lot more than that as well. They have secure notes where you can keep confidential information that you want to have keep locked behind a password. On iOS, they can have the um, the touch ID to unlock it. So you've got, you know, you need your thumbprint to get access to that data, or you could use a separate passcode phrase if you want. They've got this on the Mac and iOS. They've also got it on Android and Windows. And all this stuff can sync through Dropbox or through iCloud. And it's just a really great solution. It solves a problem that we all have. Um, it's a good company full of smart people. And once you install their software, you're, you're in control of the database. It's not stored in their cloud servers. It's, it's on your iCloud or your Dropbox account. And you're just set. I, uh, I've got family members that I have turned on to this. I've got friends. If you're a geek out there and you've got people in your life that, that you know are using dumb passwords repeatedly, take a minute to talk to them about this because you can really help them out a lot. And I think they actually will be really appreciative of it. Uh, check it out. Uh, it's at agilebits.com. They've got uh, different uh, plans if you want to buy multiple sets, or you can just go on the app store and buy it. I believe, don't they have a website for Mac Power Users too, Katie? Yep, click the link in the show notes and it will apply a discount code for you. Uh, well, you can't miss that out. And also let them know you heard about it from us, whether it's a tweet or an email. We really appreciate that. But oh boy, we really love the software. I'm a big user of it. I know Katie is too. In fact, I tell people, I won't recommend someone buy a Mac, but I will recommend they use 1Password. Um, you know, you have to make your own decision about your hardware, but when it comes to passwords, there's just no option. Uh, so check it out, 1Password, longtime sponsors of the show, great software. Uh, thanks a lot, Agile Bits, for everything you do for the community. So we got a couple of uh, battery and power-related improvements. Uh, one of the things that I am really enjoying 
is when you when you pull down, oh gosh, and I always get the name of this wrong. Is it is today view? When you pull down yeah. into the today view, um, you can now add a notification. And I think it's there by default that will tell you the status um, the status of not only the battery on your iPhone but also the battery on your Apple Watch if if that's paired. And I like that because I don't like having that battery complication on my Apple Watch. And this is a quick, easy way for me to check and see, okay, am I, am I running low on battery or, or what's going on with that? Um, and then we also got the, the big battery-related improvement um, is we got low power mode in iOS 9. Yeah, so if you are getting to the point where your battery's getting, I believe it's 20% where you get the warning um, you can say, okay, I want to go into low battery mode. And what that means is your phone is not going to be as fast. Some of the features are going to be turned off, but not the critical features. Your phone is still going to work and it's going to last a lot longer than you want it to, than you would, uh, than it would otherwise. Um, so I think that's a really great feature and you know, you only need it when you get in trouble and otherwise it's not there. Um, they've also spent time just tweaking the battery settings. You know, I think the the phrase that Federighi used when he announced this is we've turned dials that, you know, you don't have access to with this. And one of the the big examples I heard was, you know, the screen, you know, the screen lights up every time a message comes in or whatever. Uh, however, if the phone is face down on a table and the sensor knows that nobody can see it because it's face down, now it won't light up the screen and that'll save you a little battery. All these little tweaks they've done throughout the system they're estimating will add one hour of battery life to every every device. Yeah, and that's good because I've you know my phone is now a year old, so maybe that has something to do with it. I'm I'm not going to upgrade to the new phone like I know many of you are. I know you are, David. And also, I've noticed a little bit of a battery drain since the Apple Watch. And I think maybe that's just because uh, it's constantly paired via Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, and there's some activity going back and forth between the phone and in the watch. So I've noticed a little bit more of a drain on my battery recently. So that one extra hour is going to be huge for me. Yeah. And I think low power mode will be great. I mean, there's certain times everybody has, maybe it's travel day or, you know, someday where you just find yourself running out of battery and you don't have backup or you didn't charge it enough. And what you really want is your phone to work more than anything else. And this will, this will protect that. And it's, it's more than that. It doesn't just shut the thing down entirely. But it does give you, um, you know, fewer features with longer battery life. You know, we skipped over when we were talking about proactive assistant in the outline, this intelligent search. I want to talk about that for a minute. Can we go there? Sure. The, um, it, it, you know, the, I, this stuff gets confusing because they kind of mix up the terms. Like a lot of it is in reference to Siri. But they also change just the way, you know, the search works. It used to be that you had spotlight view on your phone by swiping to the left. And then that went away and you got spotlight view for the last few iterations of iOS by pulling down. Like if you're in the home screen in iOS 8 and you pull down, there's a little spotlight thing. You can type in the name of an app and it'll search it out for you uh, and do a few other things as well, like a name of a person. Well, that search got a lot more powerful now, but they've also moved it back to the left. So you have to swipe from the left to get to it. Uh, but like I said, it's more powerful. Like you can type in the weather, you can get stocks. If you just type in a stock um, a symbol, then it'll tell you how it did that day. It'll get sports scores. It'll do calculations. So if you want to do some quick math, uh, you can do that. I've spent time using this through the beta, and now I've got to where it's second nature for me. And I use that search all the time, and, and it is much better in iOS 9. This is a big improvement. The other thing they've done, because it's to the left now, they've got more real estate. So they've got suggestions on there. 
And that's something that's, I, I almost would call this proactive assistant as well. It's got people, apps, places, and news and, and they're relevant. Like I was um, going out yesterday to meet a, a client for lunch and we had a couple text messages and emails in the couple days before. And also she was listed in my calendar as, as a lunch meeting and I had to text her to tell her I was going to be a little late. And so I swiped over um, to the to the search to the left with the intention of typing in her name so I could get to her contact and send her a text message. And sure enough, when I swiped over, her her, her little icon was already there. The, the phone knew that she was a relevant contact for me that day. And I don't know if it was based on the calendar entry or the text messages or maybe all of the above. But I thought that was really nice that the phone because this is this is not a person that I talk to very often. But on yesterday, if I swipe to the left, she was one of the top four people and showed up there. So I think it could still use a little bit of work, but it, it definitely is improving. So, for example, if I type David in in what are we calling the spotlight on the yeah. phone? OK, yeah. so my first contact is David Allen, which I guess is pretty cool. Yeah, man, that that makes you a a heavy hitter. Yeah, so I, I could I could call him or text him or FaceTime him right now, I guess. But I uh, concede to David Allen. Pro- probably down. would not. Um, and, and then the next David in my in my top hits is a, another David who has a an A in his in his last name. But you're nowhere on here, and I I clearly converse yeah. with you much more than I do any of these other people. Then Interesting. I've got, then I've got yeah. a Wikipedia entry for Michelangelo's the David. Yeah. Um, and then I finally see you when I get down into email. And I know we've corresponded by email. Um, yeah. But the first email I see is an email from you that, that has your name in the subject. So, yeah. Uh, working on sounds it. Like it. Sounds like it needs some work. But, uh, but, but when I type in David in, in videos, it, it brings up Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and Star Trek Seven Generations. I wonder what that's all about. You know, I, I just will take um, all of those associations on your phone. David <laughs> yeah. Allen, Star Trek, you name it. I'll just take them all. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway. So uh, so search, search is getting better. Um, places is also great. Like if you want to find a nearby coffee shop, you just swipe over and it's got a button you press and, and that's faster than it used to be. Um, okay. So we've talked about search proactive, low power. How about Safari? A couple of improvements to Safari. Um, you know, one is that there's now an option to request the desktop version of a site, which you can usually find on a website, but you have to kind of scroll to the bottom and find a button and, and click it. But that's nice because sometimes you want the actual website version of a site and not some mobile optimized or sometimes de-optimized site. The, the big controversial thing with Safari in iOS 9 is that Apple has added the ability for third-party developers, and I, I know our pal Marco Arman is working on one, uh, to create content blockers. And that's kind of an interesting idea. So... I don't know. Do you have any any uh, any comments on content blockers, or do you do you want to stay neutral on that entire subject? I, well, I mean, you know, I haven't given it a lot of thought. I know this this is a emer- an emerging issue. I know a lot of our friends, and to a certain extent, you and I make our livings uh, writing on the internet about Apple stuff, and we have sponsors, and you know that's what keeps the lights on. And some of the bigger sites, because you and I have small individual sites, you know, it's probably not as big of a deal. But for these right. bigger sites. They really need people to see those ads and they need those impressions if they're going to be able to hire, you know, good writers and put out good content. So, um, I, you know, I'm not 
I'm not a, to that extent, I'm not a big fan of content blockers, but I think it, this all was kind of coming down the road anyway, just like popovers. Remember we used to get these popovers? Pop, yeah. Yeah. And then Because things unders. have just gotten so, so bad on the yeah. internet. I mean, it's just, yeah. maybe, I don't know. The, the problem is, is there's no middle ground. It's, you know, can't, can't we just every, ask everybody on the internet to please be reasonable? No, yeah, that's but not it happen. just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't happen. And, and frankly, advertisers will probably find some new model in some way because there's. Oh, I think Google has already announced. That I, I I was reading an article. Um, ways to defeat it. Ways to break it. Yeah, which well, is not I, necessarily the most secure. I I don't think I don't see myself um, turning one on um, unless things get bad for me. I mean, uh, the. It, I, I'm I'm not a fan of flash based um, advertisements on websites. Well, that's not a problem on iOS anyway. It, exactly, but I mean, I came up with a workflow eventually on the Mac to stop that stuff. But that's the only blocking I've done in the recent past. So I don't know that I'll I'll be using these. I definitely want my friends at some of these other websites to to make a living. <laughs> but the um, uh, I'm just going to kind of wait and see how it goes. I I have not found it so obtrusive that. I can't take it. Um, right. Well, I, I do suspect that there will be a lot of content blocker apps available come next week in the app uh, store. One, one question I have is, is this a geek thing or is this a general public thing? I mean, I, I think it starts as a geek thing, but I think it will slowly start to trickle as all things do. You know, they start as a geek thing, but then friends and family and people will start to become aware oh there's this thing that i can install that will get rid of these ads or that will make my experience better i i think it will stay mostly a geek thing but there's there's going to be some trickle i've been really lucky at max barkey the, the advertising model is um it doesn't have anything to do with with clicks so you know because these people that have this click-based advertising they have to write you know, crazy things. Aggressive, to get people. yeah. Yeah, and so my advertisers always said, hey, we just want to connect with your readers. We don't care. And and that's been really easy, but I'm a small guy. I mean, if I was CNN or something, it just doesn't work that way. And um, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, th this will be an ongoing story, I'm sure. But what I want to talk about is, uh, believe it or not, the, one of the most exciting things that I want to talk about in iOS 9 is notes. Can you believe that? Oh, I, I bet you have a lot to say about notes. Well, I, I've been I, I got on the bandwagon early in the beta and started testing it. I've got about 250 notes, active notes right now in the notes application. Yeah, what I you did scare is scare me a little bit. Well, I mean, I hey, I, I'm there for the listeners. So I um I've got as everybody knows, I've got or a lot of people listen to the show knows I, I've been a fan of Envy Alt. Last year I won a Spirit Quest to replace it to see if there was something better and ultimately decided there wasn't. So I'm still using NVAlt and I've got probably about 800 notes in there. And what I've been doing, and this has been extra work, but whatever, um, I've been copying those notes and, and making separate copies of them in notes. So I've got them in two places. And the reason was I just wanted to test this to see how well it would do. And I've got to say it's done really well through the beta and it's definitely different. I mean, because like one of the big advantages of Envy Alt and the systems we've talked about in the past is they're plain text. So they're timeless. You know, you're not, you're not stuck with any system, but in the notes app, it's rich text, but there's a, there's a lot of, of cool bells and whistles added on. Like you can make checklists and you can add photos. I'm doing this big backyard project. I mentioned the other day, I don't think Katie's interested but I'm, I'm getting rid of my grass. You know, I'm in California. Yeah, well, that happens here. I've got deer in my backyard. I just had to rip up a bunch of plants that they, no, they ate and put new ones I've, in. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm getting rid of the grass. I'm going kind of desert, whatever. But the um, but I've been going around to like Home Depot and gardening centers, and I even went to a home show, which is I could do a whole hour on a home show. That is so entertaining. I just got to tell you. But, but <laughs> I anyway, went to a bunch of those when I was building yeah, my house. Oh man, I have I have so much I want to say that I can't. But the uh, but I was going around there. I was taking pictures, and I was taking them in notes. So for me, it's it's kind of I've never really you know, Evernote really never grew on me. And this is kind of like a locally installed Evernote. And uh, so I was adding notes. I was adding little annotations. I have checklists. So it, it gives me more power than I have with NVAlt. Um, but I lose that ability to have plain text. Uh, it's ubiquitous syncing. I've not had any trouble. I've not lost. Now I've got 250 notes in. As far as I can tell, I haven't lost a single character and the synchronization's been, you know, rock solid. Um, you know, there's, it's just really well done. I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of Vesper. You know? Let me, let me add a caveat there because y you, David are, are running iOS beta currently. I think by the time the show, well, by the time the show comes out, it, it will release in a couple of days, but you're running yeah. the iOS nine beta currently on your iPhone, on your iPad. And you're also running the El Capitan beta on your Mac. On my laptop. Yeah, well, on your laptop. Yeah, so so on my on my on my iMac, I'm not getting the benefit of notes because it does it doesn't have the new version. Right. People but. just need to be aware that according to a rumor I saw on on was it Phil Schiller's iPhone or Craig Federici's iPhone at a at the Apple event, El Capitan yeah. is going to release on September 30th. So about yeah. two weeks after iOS nine. So just keep in mind that we're going to have this kind of lag period between when iOS 9 is available and the notes are syncing back and forth between iOS 9 devices and when El Capitan is publicly available. And, you know, as we've talked about on previous Mac Power user shows, you may not want to upgrade on day one, particularly if you're using your Mac for production type work. So there may be a lag time between when you have notes available on your iOS devices and those notes syncing across your Mac. So just be aware of that. Yeah, that's a, and that's a good point. I would, in fact, if you're, if you're going to give this a, I would play with it once it comes out on iOS nine if you're interested, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't put any serious data into it until it comes out for the Mac two, and you're able to test it and you're happy with it. But uh, assuming you are happy with it, I, I have been pretty happy, and uh, th there are definite upsides and downsides. Like I said, like pasting text out of it doesn't work as well because it's rich text as it comes out of it. I don't get the advantage of like, if I paste into a word document or pages, it just adopts the formatting. I have to do a, you know, paste and match style shift option, command V, which will work in both applications. And, um, and yeah, just in general, I'm putting formatting on text, which who knows, you know, where that data will be in several years, if notes stops working or something, you know, um, the export features aren't super great. I could, I could select and, copy and paste into a separate, you know, application or text file if I wanted, but it's not like a massive, I was looking before the show started, at least in this version of the beta, there's no export all button or I can just easily export everything. And so what I hear you saying is it's like a Roach Motel. Yeah, exactly. It is. It and, sounds uh, oddly familiar to something else it, you don't like. It, well, well, it is, but it's not as bad as Evernote because Evernote has to put everything into the common tongue of HTML to make it work everywhere. This only works on Macs and iOS devices, so it doesn't have to get broken down as much and it's easier to export. But um, it's not as ubiquitous as, as plain text is. Um, it doesn't have tagging. You know, NVL has a pretty robust, you know, um, tagging system in it so you can tag your notes and and very easily organize them 
uh, with notes, you have, um, I guess they call them folders or groups and you can create as many groups as you want. Like I have one group called legal forms and I have like little snippets of contract language and things that I may use. Um, whereas on, but that's only one degree, you know, I can only, uh, a note can only be in one place. I can't have it in legal forms and, you know, active matters or something. It, it can only be in one place. Whereas with tags, you can have that text in multiple places in essence. Um, so, it, you know, there's upsides and downsides. If you are okay with rich text and uh, you want the advantage of getting like checklists and being able to put pictures in, uh, this is a real viable alternative. Is all I'm going to say. I, I haven't made a decision yet because I really do like plain text quite a bit. So I'm not sure if I'm going to stick with it or not, but I was all ready to, to come on this show today. The reason I put 200 notes in because I wanted to tell everybody how miserable it did when we got to, you know, 150 notes. But I haven't had that problem. The thing just works. Yeah. I have two notes in the notes yeah. app. And I have and, and I have yeah. for a and I have for a long time. I just I don't use the notes app. Evernote is my platform of choice. I've talked about that extensively. I I can see I use the notes app occasionally if I'm just storing something temporarily and I need a quick place to pull it up. And I, honestly, notes app is a little bit quicker to access than throwing something in Evernote. But I'll, I'll throw a note in drafts or I'll throw it for long-term storage. I'll throw it in Evernote. And, and I get that there are pros and cons for that. Um, I'm just not the audience for this, but I, I think a lot of people are because there are a lot of people who haven't found a solution like Evernote, but want something a little more robust than the notes app. Clearly that's why, that's why Apple built it. So I think there's a huge audience for this. I, I know a lot of members of my family are going to be thrilled with, with the new features of the notes app. So I forgot to mention another thing that notes is an advantage over the NV alt solution is you can add text and pictures and things from notes from anywhere. You know, all the sharing that we got in iOS eight, uh, they went, you know, hog wild adding, you know, notes sharing throughout iOS. Yeah. It's much, it's much faster than adding something to Evernote through whatever means you're going to do it. I'm just, I'm very concerned that this is it, that, you know, this is not necessarily a solution for a power user and, and that what you see right now with notes is as good as it's ever going to get. And if you ever need to get those notes out of there, it's going to be a manual cut and paste process. I, I think you can probably rely on both of those things. It'll probably get a little better feature wise, but I don't think they, they're going to go crazy with features. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, I don't know if you've got anything more to say about notes, but it's probably getting to be about that time where we should take a quick break and talk about our pals over at Sanebox. Uh, so Sanebox is a cloud-based service, and if you want to talk about something that I cannot live without, um, it is Sanebox. Sanebox has absolutely revolutionized the way that I have managed my email. You know, David, you've been talking about Sanebox for a long time. You were on this bandwagon before me, and I always thought that, you know, I was smart enough that I could figure this out myself, that I didn't need a tool like Sanebox because I know how to create fancy email rules. I've got applications that will let me create even fancier email rules. I can do things on servers. I can manage all of my own email. I didn't need to pay a, a fee, a yearly fee for some service to do this for me. But, you know, Sanebox, honestly, kindly, they came on for a Mac Power user subscription. I decided at least I could do was give it a shot so I could talk about it intelligently on the show. And two days, two days is how long I got using Sanebox before I realized that this was something that absolutely changed my game. And I have been a loyal Sanebox user ever since. 
So what SaneBox does is it very intelligently filters your email. The first thing it does is it gives you the Sane Later folder. So it starts you off slow, and that Sane Later folder filters out everything except the most important things in your email. The most important things stay in your inbox so you can focus on what really matters, and everything else goes into the Sane Later folder. And then once you get the hang of that, and you can train it, so if it messes up and it puts something in the Sane Later folder that should be in the inbox, you can tweak it and it will never make that mistake again. And the more you train it and the more you use it, the more intelligent it becomes. Um, then you can create snooze folders, which are great for deferring emails until you have time to handle them. So if you want to defer something to the next business day or until a weekend, you can create multiple snooze folders depending on what works best for your workflow. You can also create custom snooze folders so or, or custom sane filtering folders. So for example, I've got a feedback folder that based on specific criteria all the feedback related emails from Mac Power users goes into that feedback folder. So when I have time, typically on a weekend or typically after hours, I can go through that feedback folder, but know that all of those emails don't end up cluttering my inbox. But the most important ones always end up in my inbox. And then there's sane reminders. So if I send somebody an important email that I know I need to follow up on, but if I haven't heard back from them, uh, I can CC, let's say, two days at sanebox.com. And if someone hasn't replied, then I'll get a reminder to follow up then. Uh, but SaneBox just keeps getting better. They're continuing to test new features. Uh, this is a platform that's continuing to grow. And if you want to get in on this and just give it a try, let's see if you can last longer than two days, because I certainly didn't. Uh, you can get in on a 14-day free trial by going to SaneBox.com MPU. And when you decide to sign up, which I think that you will, because most of the Mac Power user and listeners who have tried SaneBox have ended up subscribing, uh, you can use you can save ten dollars uh, using that site, and again, that's sanebox.com/mpu. Uh, thanks to the kind folks at Sanebox for their support of the show. We also got a rebranded app. We, now it's called Wallet. Yeah, well, Passbook before now Wallet. Yeah. 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 And and it got a few new features and I've I've kind of been looking forward to these although I don't I don't use many of these things. But in addition you can now add store credit cards if you use those to certain stores. So instead of your standard Visa and American Express, um, certain cards like I think JCPenney's and Kohl's and a few others, you you can put the um, the cards that are associated with that store the they're not called credit cards, but just store store credit cards. I don't I don't know what the technical name for them is. But you can associate those with your wallet. Yeah, and also loyalty cards, which that's, I have not. That's been what able I'm to more excited yet. about. Yeah, have you been testing this in the beta? Because I haven't got any. I don't have that many loyalty cards to begin with, but I haven't had anything successfully added. Yeah, well, and they're not that many that you can use right now. You can use like Walgreens and Dunkin' Donuts. I, I do have a Walgreens down the street. Um, I try not to go to Dunkin' Donuts that often, but that would be a good test, all in the name of Mac Power users, wouldn't it? I think so. I think you've got to take one for the team. I would have to. Um, we, don't, we don't have Dunkin' Donuts here. In oh, California, you don't have Dunkin' Donuts. Or barely do. People uh. go crazy. Is that the one where they go crazy for their coffee? It's pretty good coffee. I, you know, I don't know that it's that great. Yeah. Well, um, so but it's called but the wallet, which yeah, I the think I makes more sense. The idea is that you can put all this stuff in the wallet. Um, and so if I pay with my Visa at Dunkin' Donuts for my coffee. I, I haven't done this yet. But that it also will see that I have my Dunkin' Donuts royalty card or reward card, loyalty card in there. And um, I'll also get my Dunkin' points. And I'm assuming that's what they're called. I have no idea what they're called. At Dunkin Honestly, do, they, do they really have Dunkin' points? I don't I, know. I hope, that, I hope they do <laughs> so hope, much. You hope, you hope they're called Dunkin' points? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they're called. 
Um, and maps got updates. We got transit directions and maps. So if you only use in certain cities, yeah, that's true. You're right. You're right. And um, the um, more flyovers. I mean, Siri gets a little better. I mean, maps is. Maps has gotten better. Katie, do you use Maps much, or are you a Google Maps? You know, user? I've I I used to not trust Maps, but I will I will say that in the last year, and especially the last six months, I have started using Maps more and more, and I've especially started using Maps in iOS nine because it's so easy and it's so integrated, and it has not gotten me horribly lost like it used to years ago. I, I think Maps got a little bit of a bad rap when it was first launched, but it clearly has gotten better. Yeah, well, I think at launch it wasn't very good, and it did get better. But the um, it's the the point that you made a minute ago is the one that really sticks with me is integration with the system because like Siri and Maps is a great thing. Like I am, I, I'm just one of those people that I'm not. I don't have a built-in sense of direction. I can't like I know people that can drive to a place and then they'll never need Maps to go there again. They'll always be able to go back no matter how convoluted it is. I'm not that person. Sometimes I get lost just trying to get home. So like with, with Siri, you can, um, my setup in my car is I keep, um, my phone face down in, um, like the coffee, the coffee or the cup holder next to me, the Duncan holder. Yeah. The Duncan holder. Right. But the, but the Siri button is on top. So driving down, I can just reach down and hold down the Siri button and I can say, call Katie Floyd on mobile or something like that. And it will, um, call you. And, and the same thing, I say, get directions home. Just just hold on Siri and just say that. And it gets me directions home where I say, get directions to Dunkin' Donuts. And it'll find, you know, it just does a really good job with the Siri integration, which is great while you're driving. And for that reason, I've been willing to use Maps. Uh, recently, we went out to Laguna Beach, which is a kind of a little community here in Southern California. And we were meeting people for dinner at this obscure place. And Maps got completely befuddled. And I told Daisy, I said, oh, this is great. Finally, Maps blew it. So now I can write a story about how Maps couldn't find it, but Google Maps can. So then I, you know, I pulled over, opened up the Google Maps app, and then I did it, and Google Maps couldn't find the place either. It was just such a goofy place that nobody could find it. Um, but overall, I've been, um, I've been really happy with Maps as of late. And the key thing I think you said is is the Siri integration, because I, I used it just today, because for whatever reason... When I put in the directions, when I put in the address in my appointment and calendar, it did not pop up, but that was fine. I knew the name of the restaurant. So as soon as I got in the car, I just hit the Siri button and I asked Siri to give me directions to the name of the restaurant and boom, it was, it was off and it was going and it was so simple. And it also transitioned over to my Apple watch. Yeah. Oh, and that, isn't that nice when you're driving down the road? Like, like when I was talking about the earlier scenario, I used to keep a suction cup thing in my window. And I still have that in my car. And on occasion, we'll put it on if I really need it for a long trip or something. But usually, um, because I have my watch on, um, I can just glance at my watch when I need to know where to turn and things. I don't need to um, have the whole phone up in my window anymore. It's just, it's really great. So Apple is getting in the news app business now. Yeah, I um, I gotta say I didn't use the news app much during the beta. I, I tested it a few times. I definitely like it more on the iPad, um, just because that's that's where I tend to do my consumption of that type of thing, and and it's fine. I'm I'm just kind of happy with my RSS solution. But I think for a lot of people who maybe don't use RSS 
or who have never used RSS or have never been introduced to RSS, uh, this is this is going to be a great introduction to ways that that they can read news stories and um, you know bring all of these aggregate all of these news stories themselves without having to try to figure out the whole. I mean, gosh, David, we've done what two shows if not more on on yeah. RSS trying to explain to people. That's kind of a yeah. hard thing to wrap your head around if if you're not really into this stuff. Yeah, and I think this will be like for non geeks, this will be a much bigger deal than it is for geeks. It feels to me like it's really a push at Flipboard more than anything else. Clearly, yeah. Um, but it's going to be on every iOS device. And I, I'm curious to see. I'm, I'm setting up Max Sparky to be one of the available publications. Yeah, There's you want to talk a little bit about how that works? It's really easy. I mean, you just go to the, the website, and this is if you're a publisher, click here. And then you submit your name and your address and your, your RSS feed. For some reason, they rejected my RSS feed the first time it went through. So I've resubmitted it. And hopefully that'll be resolved by the time this all goes live. But um, it, the, the process is easy and you know, you can, if you just got an RSS feed, that's good enough to get you in the door. If you want to do something fancier, like, you know, big time publications are going to be doing something fancier. They have a whole separate kind of vector for that. But, uh, I just want to see what kind of traffic it gets, if any. And, um, and, you know, I'm a, I'm an Apple geek, so I want to, I want to be part of whatever they're doing. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about little touches. In fact, this is was a this this part of the outline started as a note. You know, talking about notes, I had a note, and every time something delighted me, I would write it down. And I've got kind of a Max Sparky post going up on this too, but let's talk about it in the show. Um, uh, the first um, I, thing that really pleases me is some of the little touches with Siri, and two of them that um, I like is that one you can control the voice with ringtone. You know, it used to be that even if you muted your phone, Siri would still yak at you. And now there's a setting to have it tied to the mute control. So if you mute, then Siri won't talk. She'll still print stuff on a screen, but she won't talk. And the other thing that they did that is just delightful for me and really no productivity boost at all is um, you you were always able to control the nationality of Siri. Like if you're British, you'd say British, and it would be looking for a British accent when you spoke into Siri. But Whatever nationality you are, as you speak in, Siri would speak out back to you. But what if you're American and you want a British female Siri voice? Now you can do that. Um, for English speakers, you have British, Australian, or American, and male or female. So if you uh, if you want like a, a, an English butler, you know, if you want a class to join up, you can do that. Have you tried turning that on? No, but I'm going to have to now because I yeah, kind of I kind of want an English Siri. Yeah, the 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 British male voice to me sounds better than the British female voice, but you know I don't know. I'll probably end up going with British female because I'm a guy, can't help myself. Right. Um, but the uh, Australian is good too. But that's kind of fun, right? So I thought those were some nice features of Siri. How about you? Let's just take turns. I know we've got a big list here. Well, the first thing that hit me is I really am liking the new San Francisco font. Yeah, it does look great. It, it just, it's, it's very clean, but it's, it's yet, it's the first thing that struck me about it is it's clean, but yet very easy to read. Yeah. Another thing I really like is the, um, I agree with you on that, by the way, it just when, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. Like going back to look right, at my going wife's back and forth. iPad, <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with this font? You know, because I've already become so used to the new San Francisco font. It's just so appropriate. It feels modern to me. Um, but the, um, you know, the, the keyboard and iOS eight and frankly, several iterations before was always confusing. I mean, I've written books about the iPad and I still sometimes would forget, well, is the shift key 
is it white when they're shifted or not? You, know, you could never tell. And now they've really solved that problem. I mean, there's a shift key you press on and the keyboard can even show lowercase and uppercase keys. So without a doubt, you know when you're shifting and not shifting. And this, as dumb as that sounds, that's a big improvement for me. I, I agree completely. And it, it did do this previously. There was some kind, well, it didn't do this, but there was some kind of invocation that the shift key was on or off and, and then that disappeared and it just drove me bonkers. But it's better. It's definitely better than it was before. And I, I loved it when Smiles um, Text Expander keyboard did this, but I'm glad yeah. that, to have it in the in the regular Apple keyboard too. Um, yeah. One of the things that I really like is when I pop in the car, it gives me the ETA or typically a little information about where I'm going. I just think, I don't know, maybe that's a little freaky, but it's kind of nice. Yeah, that kind of gets back to that, you know, the digital assistant discussion we had earlier. It's nice to have it, you know, think for you. Right. Um, there, there is now, this is something I've wanted for years and it's not turned on by default, but there's an iCloud drive application buried in there. That's true. And, and now you can see, cause it used to be like, well, what PDFs do I have in my iCloud drive? You know, well now I can see without having to go to a PDF application. So that's nice. Now I got to remember how I turned it on. Yeah. Another I should thing have looked this up before I, <laughs> before I come up. Well, you know, I'll put it in my post. So gang, it's it's out there. But they I turned it on so long ago I don't remember how I did it. I think I did it in the settings for iCloud. Uh yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's uh settings, iCloud, um, iCloud drive, and then show on home screen. There's a yes. little flip that you can there flip you on. That's exactly yeah. where it is. Um, so one of the things that I'm really liking is slide overview on the iPad. Now, I've got an iPad mini, so I think the half and half screen on the iPad mini would be a little much. It's not an option for me because I've got the iPad mini 2, not the iPad mini 4, where it would it would go half and half. Um, but slide overview is just enough for me so I can pull up text messages or I can pull up a reminder list. Just enough that I can do a little bit and a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you can now um, choose which devices get phone calls. You know, it, it, did you ever have that experience where everything you're sitting rang. at a desk and like like everything in the room starts ringing? Like if you don't want to, I never accept phone calls on my iPad, so I could turn that off now. Where is that? I don't know that. It's, it's in settings somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. You go to the next one, and I'll I'll dig it out while we're talking here. Okay, um, you know, kind of again, another iPad only feature is a picture in picture pullout view. Because a lot of times I'm just, especially if I'm doing, I, I have a very kind of standard morning routine with my iPad, where I'll go through, I will check my RSS feeds, I'll check my news feeds, I'll do a Twitter check, I'll even check Facebook, and but that's. That's this thing that I'll do every morning. And sometimes people will post short videos or YouTube videos or things that I want to watch. But I, I don't want to devote all that time in the morning to watching them. And it may not be something that I'm really interested in. So I can just hit play and watch it and get an idea of what it is. And then just throw it in a corner and kind of watch it while I'm going through my morning routine. You know, another feature that you get is the ability to search settings. What what is the name of that feature with um where the phones ring if the phone rings it rings on the iPad it's uh well there's continuity and it's yeah. it's in FaceTime continuity I think maybe so all right well listening to someone search their iPad is is just fascinating podcasting so I'll get back to you on that uh, six digit security code now I like that that's the default um 
I know you can turn it down to four, but I like the idea of a six digit security code, especially when you're only using it once in a while because of, um, you know, um, uh, the digital touch recognition. Right. Um, speaking of security, Apple and iOS nine has pretty much added two factor authentication just about everywhere, which yeah. I really like. Yeah. Um, and I think David, the reason you're probably not finding it is because you're searching on your iPhone and you're going to have to look on your iPad to find it. Yeah. Well, I, I am looking on my iPad. Oh. <laughs> just, okay. Uh, yeah. Either way, I I'll, I'll, we'll, put a link in the show notes or something. Um, anyway, uh, overall iOS nine, it's not, um, a massive change. Like I felt like iOS eight was just so massive with all the background stuff it re uh, received. This is a, a little more, you know, a little less aggressive, but they're all really nice touches. Um, a lot of fixes. I'm okay with Apple not being so aggressive every year with changes to the system. I mean, I just want everything to work really well. And most of these changes are engineered to make it work. Like when Katie gets in her car and it tells her how long she needs to get to her next appointment, or when I flip over um, to the search and it has the little face of the person I'm going to meet that day for lunch so I can get a hold of her a little faster. I really like that stuff. So overall, I'm, I'm really happy with iOS 9, and um, I hope you are too. Yeah, I, I absolutely am. Um, we've got a lot to cover and I think we're going to run the show a little long today because the Apple announcement was two hours and it was very deep with stuff, but, um, just hang in there with, if all you're interested in with iOS nine, I guess you could go now, but you're going to miss out on some great stuff. Um, do you want to take a, a quick ad break before we get into today's announcements? Yeah. Let's talk about our, our next sponsor. And I think that is going to be uh, tunnel bear, David. Our third sponsor today is our friends over at TunnelBear. TunnelBear is a simple app that allows you to browse privately and get around blocked websites. Um, so, you know, the problem you've got in today's day and age is you go into like a Starbucks and you want to get on the Internet and it says free Wi-Fi or Starbucks Wi-Fi. And, you know, the fear is that there's somebody else in the room or in the truck in the parking lot that's sniffing out all that traffic. And if they grab your email and your email password or get some other data that's important to you, um, they can do a lot of damage to your life that way. So you don't want to hang yourself out there that way. Tunnel Bear allows you to avoid that. Uh, with Tunnel Bear, you can tunnel to one of 14 different countries, which allows you to browse the internet as if you're in the different country. And it secures your internet when you're on the public Wi-Fi, which is just really essential when you're traveling. Um, they have a plain English privacy policy, and these guys are really dedicated to giving the best VPN service possible. Um, it's important when you're using VPN because you have to be able to trust the people that are, are doing it for you. In fact, they have a blog where they talk about any type of security issues that they're working on or any issues that, that they hear from their listeners or users. Uh, they answer very frankly, and it's really refreshing dealing with, with good guys who want to, to give you a good service without any games. You don't have to be technical to use or install Tunnel Bear. It's really easy. There's a switch on or off. And when you start turning it on, you're good to go. And they have friendly support that's standing by 24 hours a day. So if you have any problem, just you're, you're good. Um, the apps are easy to use. You pick a country, and then you turn the dial to say turn it on, and you're good. Like if you want to um, do, you know, visit a website that's not available in the United States, you can log on as if you're in Canada or Europe or Asia. Um, all it is is you click a button and you're done. They have apps for mobile, desktop, and browser, Mac, iOS, uh, Chrome. You can get you can try out for free. They give you a free 500 megabytes of data for free every month. 
Um, if you need more data, prices uh, for unlimited plans start at $6.99 a month. So if you're a regular traveler, you may want to get a plan. If you just need it once in a while, maybe you can get by with a free account. Uh, download it today and start browsing the internet privately at tunnelbear.com. And use the slash MPU. So that's tunnelbear.com slash MPU so they know you came from us. Let them know you heard about it from us. And uh, thanks so much to Tunnel Bear for supporting the show. So big day as we record this on September 9th. It's probably Apple's biggest event of the year. Yeah. I mean, traditionally, uh, the last few years, they have a watch event. I'm sorry, not a watch, a phone event where they have like the phone and maybe new Macs or something. But and then they have a separate event for the iPad um, in October ish. And one of the big questions going to today, because everybody's been hearing about this iPad Pro, are they going to put it all in one? And turns out they did. And they devoted an hour to this new iPad Pro. Yeah. So but, I think this is probably it. I don't know that we'll get another announcement in October. We may yeah. see some we may see some Macs kind of get quietly refreshed with with press yeah. releases, but I don't think we'll see another event. There's a lot of uh, talk about a uh, was it a 21 inch 4K iMac? Right. And uh, that would be something they would just release. I could see them doing it without any event. Yeah, I, I can as well. Um, so we can kind of quickly run through some of these announcements. Some, some we can spend more time on than others. You know, yeah. one, one that I think we, we can talk about that may not need a ton is, you know, Apple Watch saw a few revamps. So we, we saw that the Sport Edition got a little bit of a facelift and that now you can get a rose gold and a gold plated I don't know if plated is the right word. Yeah, it's uh, anodized. It's anodized um, yeah. gold edition, which yeah. I think tells us a couple of things. Um, I think the big thing it tells us is that, I'm sorry, stainless steel edition. No, is that right? Sport edition. No. no. It's, it's, I've, it's, I've said it's everything the, now, so it has to be yes, one of those three. Yeah. It's the alum, aluminum uh, watches. The, the low-end watch. Yeah, that's the low-end so, watch. The sport. Yeah. So three forty nine or four ninety nine, depending on, on what size yeah. you get. Um, and I think they're just trying to kind of tweak the sales a little bit, right? You know, before the holiday holidays. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Daisy said, "Boy, she wished the rose gold was available when she got her silver one. She likes the rose gold." But the, um, um, you know, anodization—that's a word. Anodizing a uh, aluminum—you can do almost any color. If you look at the iPod touches over the years, they've had many different color anodized aluminum iPod touches. So I guess it's not that big of a surprise that they're they're coming out with some additional colors. They also um, came out with a bunch of new bands, and they have um, they're very happy about the um, I think it's like Aramis is how you say it. I think it's French, and I think the H is silent. And I know everybody out there cringing right now. I apologize, but Aramis, a designer, um, has a um, a designer Apple Watch. And I, I learned a thing today. Did you know that there are watch bands that go around your wrist twice? Uh, I that was a new thing for me too. I did not know that. I that was, but apparently it's a thing, and it's, it's uh, a big now, thing. Now you can get one. Now you can get one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have new band collections. They have um, kind of some mo- kind of earth tones, and they had some more colorful tones. Uh, and unfortunately, they didn't have an orange one. I always liked the orange, but I didn't see that they had an orange one. I was kind of bummed about that. Um, and I think orange would look good with my black watch. Um, but, uh, that's pretty exciting. So they, they've got some stuff to sell for Christmas and they announced that watch OS two is going to be released on September 16th, just a few days after this. Yeah. So that's, that's good. I'm excited about, about watch OS two. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't think there's anything else that I'm going to get real quick on watch OS two. Um, if you keep your watch on your nightstand, the nightstand mode is really a nice addition. I've been using it on the beta. 
So like when you wake up, you've got the buttons. You can turn off your alarm or snooze it uh, with the two buttons on the side of the watch sitting on that side. Did you end and up getting it, a stand? No. I mean, it just sits on the side on the table. I haven't got a stand for it. I don't know that I will. Okay. Um, the uh, Well, it's just, you know, it's the aluminum watch. I don't, I'm not as fidgety with it as if, if it was a stainless steel stand. A stainless steel watch, you know, they scratch easier, I think. Yeah. Um, the um, uh, the other thing is native apps. And they'll, we'll be talking about that more in future shows because I'm really eager to see what some of the apps that I like do once they're native apps. And that's just a few days away. So hang in there and uh, watch out for that. Right. Uh, but but I want to keep moving because this, this new iPad Pro is something that we want to talk about. And that was the next thing they talked about. Yeah, I have kind of mixed thoughts on on the iPad Pro, but it was it was clear that that Tim was pretty excited about the iPad Pro. This this was his thing this year. I, I, I have a theory that Tim Cook is a big iPad proponent. I think that the type of work he does as an executive, he probably looks at a lot of documents and emails and um and spreadsheets and things like that. And I believe that an iPad could be really useful to him. And I bet an iPad pro is even more useful to him. So I, I think, you know, it's like there were products um, that, you know, like everybody talked about how keynote was so good because Steve jobs used keynote. Um, I can see that the iPad pro exists because, because Tim cook wants to use an iPad pro. Right. Uh, this is something that I'm going to have to see and feel and pick up and play with in an Apple store before I make a decision as to whether it's right for me. I, I love my iPad mini. Um, I think it's just a great form factor that you can hold in one hand, the retina display, you can you can read books on it. But I will admit, since I've gone back to school last year, I've longed for a larger iPad again because I'm doing a lot more PDF work on my iPad. And the mini is just a little small for that. Great for reading, love it for laying in bed and reading, but little small for PDF work. So I've been thinking about upgrading um, and getting an, an iPad Air with a little bit larger screen. And then you were talking before the show that, you know, you're actually thinking about the iPad Pro 2 specifically, I'm sorry, the iPad Pro specifically because you do so much work on PDFs. I'm just wondering, is it a little too big? When is for, for that type of stuff? I think if you're an artist or a graphic designer, probably not. But for someone like you and I who are who are doing primarily documents, I, I don't know. I'm gonna have to see it and feel it and hold it and get an idea. Well the the existing iPad I have the existing iPad Air, um the first one. Right. And the um I use it, you know, often, hours a week reading PDFs. I mean, I'm a lawyer. That's what we do. We read contacts. Um, so I do annotation. I do use a, a jot, a stylist to, to annotate them. Um, if it was bigger, it would be easier. Like another thing I do is I play music. I play music on my sax and my piano and like reading sheet music on even the larger size iPad is difficult for 47 year old lives. I think if I had a bigger slate and the music was bigger, it'd be easier to read. So uh, I am definitely interested in one of these things. Uh, also, it's just I'm just interested because it's such a new thing. Um, I, I want to see it. Um, I don't know if I'll buy it sight unseen. I'll probably have to go look at them first. But for someone like me who's already using the iPad, uh, the the regular size iPad, this isn't that much bigger. I mean, I can't carry the existing iPad in my pocket. You know, it's a thing I have to carry when I carry it. So see, I uh, can out, I can fit the iPad Mini in my purse, but just barely. Yeah, yeah, and so so I am. Um, so it's probably not going to be that much different to when I do and don't carry it. 
Um, it was interesting to me how much of this new iPad Pro, and we, we aren't really summarizing the product very much. It's 12.9 inches, 5.6 million pixels with a, with a cover, with a keyboard attached. It was interesting to me how much it's like the Microsoft Surface. Yeah, and, and the keyboard attachment is an optional extra. I think it's 150 or was it 159? But yeah, it adds up, and and the and the um, the stylus is a hundred bucks. I mean, by the time you buy, it's not a stylus; it's an Apple pencil. Yes, it's and you know it's funny. I, I wrote down in the notes, you know, um, Steve Jobs quote was something to the extent: if you use a stylus, you blew it. Yeah, I don't think that's the and, exact quote, but yeah, well, something like that. But that was in reference to the phone, and um, and I don't think people should hold that against Apple. I mean, I think if you're going to make a big iPad that people want to draw pictures on and do CAD design and annotate documents and all this stuff. They should have a pencil slash stylus. Well, and I mentioned uh, this on the Mac Roundtable. I, I was on that podcast right before here. But you got to remember the context in which that phrase or something like that was, was made. Everything that came before the iPad and everything that came before the iPhone, you, you're looking at the Palm Pilot line. You're looking at even the Newton before that. Those are all devices that required styluses. You had to have a stylet, stylus as an input device. It was an option just to use your finger. Um, I mean, perhaps you could push a button, but for, for true input for putting text in, you, you couldn't use your finger. The iPhone and the iPad were really the first devices that you didn't have to have a stylus. And that's still true. The The pencil is an optional accessory for people who need it. I, I don't know that I would. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it seems to me like a very interesting device. So it's 12.9 inches. So it's, it's a big device. Well, in fact, and, and 1.5 pounds. I mean, just to give you yeah. a little idea, I think the screen is, uh, I don't know what the screen is on your MacBook, but it's close. It's close, if not a little bit larger than the screen on your, your MacBook. And it's only a half a pound lighter. So when you put your MacBook in your bag, or if you put this iPad pro in your bag, Especially if you add this this Surface esque keyboard to it, yeah, there's not going to be heavy. much of any difference. Yeah, and the um, but then part of me is thinking, wow, just think about how good the field guides could look with this big screen, like the oh, videos you know, you're getting there. one. The um, no, no, I, I mean, I'm thinking in terms of a uh, of a merchant of someone who sells books. I mean, uh, what can I do in the books to make it easier for people who have these big devices? And um, I don't know, I. I, I'm glad that they're making this. I think there should be a lot of sized iPads and you know, the big one will be right for some people and the purse size one will be right for other people. And maybe the one in middle will be better for some people. I mean, I think options here are a good thing. I mean, I, I, I envision a day um, sometime in the distant future, maybe not so distant where you've got a desktop. That's an iPad. In essence, it's the whole screen. I mean, it seems like that's where we're going with this stuff. I got to tell you, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, the only way we're going to get there is to start making some bigger ones and see what works and what doesn't. I, I envision a day in the not too distant future when this iPad Pro runs Mac OS. You, yeah, I mean, you, it's, it's, you know, very, very Microsoft Surface esque, where you, you can you can go in iOS mode or or you can go in Mac OS mode. Or, or perhaps it just doesn't even matter anymore. Perhaps I, I think that, yeah. See, I think Apple sees the future of this stuff as iOS, not macOS. So yeah. I'm not sure they go backwards with it. And frankly, one of the things that's interesting about this big iPad is um, there's all these software demos. I mean, Adobe, Microsoft. I mean, big you know enterprise level companies 
are putting really powerful software in the iPad that never existed before. I mean, the Adobe stuff we saw in the, in the demo today, there's nothing like it. And um, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a combination of the, the screen is bigger. The device is more powerful, has more memory. Suddenly it has the power to do this stuff and the screen size to do it. And it seems to me like we're going to be coming up with all sorts of new interface stuff. We're going to find out new ways to do things. Like I noticed in the Adobe presentation today, if you go back and watch it, he needed to add a picture to the screen. He just drew an X, just two lines making an X. And that created a field where he could drop a piece of artwork. That's not the way you would do it on the computer. If you're on the Mac, you would draw a square. You know, you'd pick the upper left corner, hold the mouse down, drag to the up lower right corner, and you'd create a square. Whereas on the iPad, he just drew an X. I think that was faster. And I think we're going to have this whole new interface language that's going to develop around these things. And as a result, people aren't going to want to pull this stuff back to the Mac OS. They're going to want to just move forward with it. Yeah, I thought the choice of demos was interesting, and I thought it sent an interesting message. We saw Microsoft demo Word, and I, I think they they referenced, if they not showed, um, PowerPoint, but we did not see Apple demo Pages or Keynote. And we saw Adobe demo their product. I know Apple doesn't really have a competitor in that space, but we, you know, we didn't see Pixelmator. We didn't, you know, we didn't see, we saw the big established developers. We didn't even see Apple's own apps on this product. Yeah. Well, there was just a lot of demos in this day anyway. So Apple, Apple, I think was probably trying to get the third parties out there more than themselves because they had the stage the rest of the time. But this thing's going to be available in November. Uh, One thing that I thought was interesting was there's no mention of 3d touch, which was a big deal with the phone. And I have not, we're recording this just a couple hours after the presentation, but I have not seen any evidence Mm -mm. that 3D Touch is going to be part of the new iPad, which is kind of surprising to me. Well, and it may partially be a size issue. I mean, it's one thing to, uh, right now, the the haptic engines that we see in the 3D Touch or the Force Touch or whatever we're calling it now, tends to be in fairly con- contained spaces. Um, you know, it's it's in the new phones, but that's about as big as it gets. It's in the trackpads. I don't know that they could do a 3D touch currently in a large, large size, physically larger device. You definitely need we'll, more Taptic engines. Yeah, we'll find out. But that, I'm really curious to see how this goes, whether I get one or not. I probably will, but um, I, I'm just really curious to see what a big iPod, iPod does, an iPad does, to the way we use them and how it like evolves, like watching the guy type on it with that big wide screen. I still don't think it's that great of a surface to type on because you don't have any inner, you know, tactile. So you'd have to be right. looking at your fingers anyway. But I mean, we're getting to the point where the on-screen keyboard is the actual size of a keyboard. And what does that mean? I mean, how much faster could you type on it? So uh, it, it just will be very interesting the next couple months. Right. Um, and then new iPhones. Obviously, the big feature on the new iPhones was the 3D touch that, that we've alluded to. And I, I thought that they demoed that very well with the, um, it was the preview, but they called it something else, almost like a quick look, but they didn't even call it quick look where you could touch something and it would pop up. Um, and then, and then it would be the pop. Yeah. 3D touch. You know, I've always been jealous of quick look on, you know, where you hit the space bar on the Mac and you get a quick view of things. And that's what they did with this force touch. 
Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be neat. You know, we 3D touch hasn't quite gotten to the point yet where we can get this tactile sensation on our keyboards. Um, I, I think the engines aren't quite that precise, but, uh, you know, give it time. Maybe, maybe we'll see that. Yeah. The other interesting thing about 3D touch is it's only on the new phones. It's not on all the phones. So you're not going to get that with your, your older phone, no. which means developers cannot write things to 3D touch that can't be done some other way. Because, well, they can't write exclusively to 3D Touch. Ex- exactly, right. um, and but in a few years they can. So it'll just be interesting to see how that develops. They got a new rose gold phone. That's kind of nice. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be a popular color. The uh, the camera got improvements. Like I mean, you could say this every year. New iPhone. Yeah, Harry po- Harry Potter pictures. We're getting. What are you talking about? The oh, movable, yeah, moving yeah, the pictures. Movable, pic- That's, movable I, I didn't pictures. think of that. Live photos is like Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm, I wasn't clear whether that was going to be a software feature that we would see on other phones, but it didn't seem like it. I don't know yeah. why not, though. I, what I kept thinking about was um, when I was at WWDC, uh, an Apple employee friend told me, you know, because I've been complaining about the 16 gigabyte iPhone for two years. He says, oh, your problem is not going to get answered this year. And it turns out he's right. They, they, yeah. don't, they, don't, they don't start at 32. They're still at 16. So they're telling us they're selling a 16 gigabyte phone, but we're also going to make a video out of every picture you take. And, <laughs> and, thinking, and we're going to be able to shoot 4K video. Yeah, I'm just thinking, how on earth are the 16 gigabyte phone users going to get by? And It's, um, it's and, all going to the cloud, David. Well, they did, they did say that they save it in a way that saves memory, but it still seems to me like, Wow, the phones really need to get to 32 gigabytes at the low level. Yeah, well, and speaking of the cloud, Apple did get a little more aggressive on their iCloud pricing. I think 20, uh, 200 gigabytes went down to 299, and a terabyte went down to 999 a month. Yeah, which matches Dropbox. Yeah. And we just talked about this on a recent show, and um, sure enough, now if you want to get a terabyte, it costs you 10 bucks a month. Right. Uh, um, the big news that I'm curious about, and I'm I'm interested to see how this will impact. Uh, is Apple is now offering a yearly upgrade option. They said it starts at about $32. Obviously, it depends on the model phone that you get. But, you know, Apple, although they aren't in the carrier business, they're now kind of getting into the phone subsidy business where, hey, you know, just just pay us a flat fee. We'll give you a phone. We'll give you Apple Care. And every year you can come upgrade. Yeah. I, I, I need to. I when, need to run the math. The screen. Yeah. I need to run the math. Um, but talking to Dave Hamilton uh, about this earlier today on the Mac Roundtable, I'm not sure the math is going to work out better than carrier pricing because my understanding with carrier subsidized upgrades is that once you pay the phone off, you keep the phone, and it seems like with yeah. the Apple plan, you have to turn the phone back in so you don't get the benefit of the resale value of the phone. Yeah. Uh, but definitely need to run the numbers on it. Yeah, I, I was thinking, well, maybe Katie will start getting a yearly upgrade now. The um, Not this year, though, because I'm still in contract. Yeah. The uh, So anyway, the, so the new phones look great. It would, you're not getting one. I'm probably going to get the big one again. I've been using this big one temporarily. My daughter has already laid claim to it. But the um, I have, uh, having carried the, the 6S now for a while, I'm sorry, the 6 Plus for a while, um, it doesn't seem to bother me that much. And uh, although I would say that I don't think it's that big of a deal. They're both fine phones. You know, one's a little bigger and has a little bit better battery life. And the other one's a little smaller and fits in your pocket easier. Uh, with my ham fingers, though, the the six the six plus is easier to type on. So um, that's what I'm going to do. 
So last big announcement is the one that I was probably most excited about coming in today, and that is the new Apple TV. Yeah. The, um, the, I wrote down this quote. He says, the future of TV is through apps, which is what someone from Apple probably would say because I think they're really good at that. It's possible. Yeah. And, and uh, I think I, I had mixed emotions about this. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Apple is definitely taking a step in the right direction uh, with, with the Apple TV. No, no doubt they're heading in good directions with this. I think there was a lot that we didn't see today. You know, we didn't see any kind of announcement of any kind of partnership with the carriers uh, or the cable companies. Maybe we won't. Maybe this was Apple's way of thumbing their nose at them and saying, you know what, we don't need you. We just make apps. Um, maybe, um, maybe that's still yet to come. I don't know. But we didn't see a lot of traditional TV type apps. All of the apps that were demoed today were were games or shopping or or different types of apps. You know, we in fact we didn't really even see the rest of the Apple TV screen. It looks like it's just the same interface that it's always been with a new coat of paint on it. Yeah, the um uh, you know the, the the scuttlebutt is that they are working furiously to make deals with the networks where they can distribute the network content uh, for a flat fee. Like you pay thirty or forty dollars and you get all the major networks and some of the minor ones, and then that's cheaper than paying your cable company a hundred bucks. Um, it doesn't solve the problem that you still need the internet pipe in your house, and we've we've kind of beat that horse enough on the show already. Um, I don't think that they are thumbing their nose. I think that that's really hard getting those contracts done. And whenever, if ever they are able to pull it off, then they'll put it on for sale. Yeah. I think, Um, I think we just have to wait and see. We have to see what apps come to the Apple TV, what restrictions are going to be put on them by Apple. And then what restrictions are the app developers going to put on themselves? You know, if for example, you know, we've seen certain apps come to the Apple TV that are basically useless unless you have a cable TV login. You know, so yeah. what mechanisms? I would have liked to have heard more about the app development platform. I would like to know, as a developer for an Apple TV app, what can I do? Can I have in-app purchase so that I can buy things a la carte? Can I pay $5 a month if I want to watch CNN on my Apple TV? Can I, you know, what what are my options? Or is it just going to be login here if you, you've got a cable subscription? Well, we do know since the event closed, um, it's the news has been that app developers can't make an app bigger than 200 megabytes in size, that any additional uh, storage required in addition to 200 megabytes is going to be downloaded at the time of launch, which is going to be a terrible user experience for people. So, and it's interesting. So now I don't really understand why 32 and 64. I, I don't understand as a consumer why would I need 32 versus 64? What's the reason for the onboard, the discrepancy in the onboard storage then? Yeah. Well, once you start putting a lot of apps, that adds up. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, there was no mention of HomeKit. And that's something I've been interested in seeing that, you know, this HomeKit initiative take off. And, you know, we've heard about, I forget what's the name of the Amazon product that everybody's so excited about. The, Echo. Um, Echo, where you can talk out loud and, say, hey, play me some music, and it does. Well, they, they kind of solve that problem with Siri and the Apple TV, but the Apple TV needs to be working for that to happen. It doesn't feel as um, as seamless as the Echo. The um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a it's a good update. I mean, I, I'm so ready for it because my, my existing one is, is ready for upgrade. The um, universal search through the Siri remote, I think, is really useful, long overdue. Um, 
the games look like fun. I mean, I don't think Apple's really going to be Microsoft or or um, Sony. I mean, they're not looking for that same market. I think they're more aimed at the the casual gamer market, but I think they'll do fine with it. Yeah, this I personally am not interested in gaming. I was a little surprised that Apple did not introduce their own more traditional remote for the Apple TV, but the game it, game controller you yeah mean? game controller yeah. for the apple tv yeah me too me too um i was pleased with everything they did i i think there're just still a lot of unanswered questions about the app development platform and about what both apple will allow developers to do and what developers will do with the apple tv it, it will be interesting i, so I mean we'll i, I really like the idea of like a status apple i mean i'm thinking what kind of productivity could we have if we took advantage of that screen that's in our living room um I don't know, but that's just me. I'm not sure that's a big market. <laughs> yeah. But uh, well, why not? Um, so anyway, so we got Apple TV, new iPhones, iPad Pro, lots of new announcements. iCloud pricing got better. Um, overall, it was a pretty big day for Apple. It was. It was a big day for Apple. Um, I'm, you know, I'm excited about it. I, I, I will pick up a new Apple TV. At this point, I'm leaning towards the um, the, the 32 gigabyte version because I, I am not a gamer and I don't expect to download a lot of games. So. So we'll see. Oh, and we did we did get a super secret spy shot. We think that El Capitan will be out on September 30th. Yeah, I don't think that was that secret. No, it wasn't that secret. <laughs> it was just, it, don't blink. Yeah. Be exactly. paying attention. We need to do our, our last sponsor for this episode, um, and that is our good friends over at Igloo. And Igloo is the internet that you'll actually like. So with Igloo, you don't have to be stuck at your desk to do your work. You can manage your task list from your laptop during a meeting, share status updates from your phone uh, while you're leaving a client site, access the internet. You know what, David? There might even be an Igloo app for your Apple TV. You never know. Isn't this what you were asking for? You never know. Why not? Why yeah. Not? Um, but these days, everything is mobile, so you should be too. And if you've ever looked at any of these corporate intranets and you've looked at them and thought, who designed this? I, do they hate me? I don't know. Um, well, you don't have to worry about that anymore because Igloo is going to take care of that. Um, Igloo is going to make an intranet that will make you feel like a place you actually want to hang out and be productive uh, and get things done. It is amazingly configurable. Um, and allow you to completely rebrand it and give it the look and feel of your team. Um, I actually recommended Igloo to my colleagues at the new day job, and it's, this is something that we're we're checking out at my new place. Um, you can have role-based permissions. Things are easy to access via dra drag and drop. You can customize it to be in completely how you like it. Um, and even if people bring outside apps into work, like if they're going to use other platforms like Google Drive or Dropbox or Box, um, Igloo is going to integrate with all of that. And it's all going to be secure um, with you know 256-bit encryption, single sign-on Active Directory, all of those fancy terms that you don't even have to worry about because Igloo is going to take care of all of that for you. Um, so with Igloo, you can share files with all of your coworkers for you to collaborate on everything, track who has read, read what, and just really up your productivity game. So if you want to get away from that internet that you really hate, or if you just want to put an internet in place in your office, don't mess your time with one of those that is not going to work. Just jump straight to Igloo. Um, so you can sign up for Igloo right now and try it for free for any team with up to 10 people for as long as you want. Uh, head over to igloosoftware.com. That's I-G-L-O-O -O, software.com slash M-P-U. And thanks so much to Igloo for their kind support of Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. 
Yeah, I forgot to ask you, Katie. Are you going to get the new Apple TV? Yes, yes. I think I am going. I am going to get the new Apple TV. I'm I'm really interested to hear what you think about it because you've gone you know off the reservation. You've been using what is it Roku and some of the other stuff as well, right? Are you, are you kidding me? I'm not using a Roku. I thought you bought a Roku. I bought it and hated it and got rid of it. I mean, I've just, I, did, I played with. I, I, have I an just Am- heard the first part. You I, bought I do, it. I didn't I know do you have hated an Am- it. I do have an Amazon Fire Stick. Okay. Yeah. Wow, I really hate, like. I've, yeah, I didn't like the Roku. I've never heard the, of anybody hate. A lot of people like them. Oh, uh, I think I think people like them in terms of functionality. I just could not get past the icky interface. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. Well, really I, hate's, hate's I, a strong I, word. I, I kind of I kind of like the Fire TV, but I got to tell you, I don't use my Fire TV much anymore because I just upgraded to a TiVo Romeo, and the only thing I really used the Fire TV for was Amazon Prime because that's not on the Apple TV. Although maybe it will be in the future, we'll see. I'll tell you one thing: I was unhappy with the new Apple TV has um, um, it doesn't have an audio out port. You know the uh, optical audio. Oh, I did not notice that. Yeah, and, but you're right. and the existing one does. Which you know, I've got my um, my Sonos Play Bar, and that's you know, I love that optical in to my Sonos Play Bar because my TV's old. I mean, my TV's like ten over ten years old, and it doesn't. A lot of them have a pass through. Mine doesn't. So I'm going to have to figure something out. Well, you, know, you could sure keep your old Apple TV, just stick it somewhere, and use it purely as a Sonos. Um, but no, I don't want it. I, I want when I watch a movie, I want it to go through. The, I want everything. Oh, that's to go right. The you want everything to so, go through the center. Huh. But I, I'm I'm sure there'll be some kind of cable adapters, and I'll just have to to figure it out. But um, or maybe there's some setting on my existing TV. I'm not aware of yet. But I have a I have a little project ahead of me to fix that. And I was kind of surprised they pulled that port off. Now everything's HDMI, though. I guess. Well, you know. especially <laughs> since the box got a little fatter. Yeah, exactly. It's not like the box got smaller. <laughs> and the um, I'm with you. I don't really understand the importance of 32 versus 64, but we'll look into it and we'll talk about it on a future show. If somebody out there knows, uh, you know, send in a note, we'll put it in the live show. Um, but so so the, the big takeaway, how much money am, are we going to spend? <laughs> I'm going to get a new Apple TV of one sort or another. I'm yeah, going to get a new phone. 149 is my limit. Yeah, I think I'll probably just get the smaller one too because the I've never had a problem with the eight gigabytes on the existing one. Um, I'm gonna get a new phone. You know, I I pay for four phones. I get the upgrade every year. Why not? Um, that's my upgrade plan. Pay for four phones, and um, the uh, and with the iPad Pro, I'm definitely interested. I'll probably end up getting one, but I I, I probably want to see it first. I I was watching some of the. Um, the hands-on stuff today, and it is it is large. I mean, just look at how big it is in comparison to the hands of some of the reviewers. Yeah, what um, what do you what do you think about Siri and talking to the Apple TV all the time? Um, I mean, I guess well, you don't I mean, have to. Has, you can you can still use the little touch screen instead of talking to it. But that was clearly the point: is that you can just talk to it all. I mean, to, to me, it just seems a little weird just sitting in your living room and talking to your TV. I um. To me, that makes perfect sense because I, I talk to my phone all the time. I use Siri a lot more than you do. I think, you know, most text messages are, I'll, I'll say, um, Hey, telephone or whatever the magic term is. Tell Katie, tell, tell Katie, I'm going to be 10 minutes late. I just don't, I use Siri constantly. So I don't think it'll be any different for the phone. It's interesting. One of the points they made is we can control the volume of the TV now and they have to because my guess is when you press the little Siri button, it's going to mute the TV. Mm-hmm. So you don't get all that overlap. So they had to build that in. So why not give the 
you know, the user control over volume as well. But boy, we use our Apple TV so much and it is such a pain when you want to watch a movie and you're not sure if it's on Netflix or HBO or whatever. And you have to use that stupid little controller to type in the name one letter at a time. And it's not on Netflix. And, you know, we, we go from the cheapest to the most expensive, right? So, you know, we start with the free, the services that, you know, we don't have to pay more money to see it in. And then we just kind of work our way up. And sometimes you end up typing in the title three or four times before you find it. And um, I would so much prefer just to say, you know, can I watch Star Wars? And just it'll show me every service that it's on and what the ones I have to pay and the ones I don't have to pay. Right. And we believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that third-party apps are going to have access at least, and perhaps they have to be approved, but they they said that they will be adding more apps to that universal yeah, they search. Said, they said more are coming. And I thought that the, the scrolling, the way it gives you the live preview during the scrolling was really clever. Yeah, I have to tell you, that's something that TiVo does amazingly well is scrolling. I mean, I, I am, I've had a lot of practice, but I can get just about anywhere I want on a show on my TiVo. And I never do that on my Apple TV. Yeah. Well, I've never owned a TiVo, so I'm going to be excited to see that. Um, I don't know. I, it'll be, uh, it's good to see that they're developing it. It started to feel like they didn't care, which was scaring me because my existing Apple TV needed replacing and I was going to have to go buy something else. And I'm always a fan of using the Apple stuff. Not so much because I'm a fanboy, as much as when you have one company making everything, it just works, you know, like the, the airplay and like, I really like Apple music now and I'm always playing it through the Apple TV, through my Sonos. It's all this stuff works so well. I don't want to mix up the recipe too much. Right. Okay, Katie Floyd, there we have it. Uh, I hope you all are enjoying iOS 9. Let us know your thoughts for the live feedback show. Also, let us know what your thoughts are on the new hardware. There's a lot to talk about. We're going to do a show on El Capitan where we go through the new features and and how we're using them and what we think is worthwhile um, after September 30th or right around September 30th. And we've got some other great content coming up. So stay tuned. Um, thanks to our sponsors today, um, one password, same box, tunnel bear and igloo. You can find the show notes over at relay.fm slash MPU. This is show two, seven, eight. So slash, uh, MPU slash two, seven, eight for those show notes. Um, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Mac power users. Katie's at Katie Floyd. I'm at Mac Sparky. Did I get it all? I think you got it all. You did great. Great. You know, a couple of years at this stuff, you start to figure it out. Uh, We'll see you all next week.